Welcome into a special edition of the Carmen and Yurko podcast. Uh, this is a whiskey-centric podcast. We have a couple uh, of very distinguished gentlemen in studio with us today. Our great friends from Keeper's Heart uh, out of O'Shaughnessy Distilling out in Minneapolis. We have Brian Nation, who's Keeper's Heart's master distiller. David Perkins, who is the liquid collaborator and advisor. That is my dream job, the liquid <laughs> collaborator and advisor. Uh, but first and foremost, gentlemen, thank you to both of you for being here. It's fantastic to be here, Carmen. Thanks for having us. David. Oh, we're, we're luckiest guys in the world today. I don't know. You guys brought stuff for us, so I think we're the lucky ones. We were tasting some stuff. We're going to have a nice video component to this uh, in the next week or so that people can check out on all of our social and in our station's YouTube page. But just wanted to uh, get down and dirty and talk whiskey with you guys a little bit. I mean, Keeper's Heart uh, has burst onto the scene here uh, very quickly, uh, I might add. And it's great to have a partnership with you guys. You're starting to see it. Uh, you can find it in Binnie's all across Chicagoland, Warehouse Liquors. You're starting to see it in more and more bars. But this is a relatively new uh, venture. You guys aren't new to whiskey, but Keeper's Heart is kind of new to the market. And so far, things have been great, right, Brian? Yeah, it's been fantastic, to be honest with you. We launched our, our whiskey in August of 2021, same day we opened the doors of our distillery as well. And it's really great because what we're doing is we're bringing the best of both Irish and American distilling traditions together. And we're doing that by, first of all, showcasing the art of blending, where we're blending both Irish and American whiskies together, which is what you tasted today. Mm -hmm. But we're also producing American whiskey at our distillery in the Irish style of triple copper pot distillation. So it's really great to be involved in a, in a whiskey that's creating a new taste profile, new flavor profile, and we're really excited about it. People can probably tell, Brian, uh, has a little bit of an accent. So when he talks about, you know, bringing Irish whiskey and American whiskey together, you're bringing a lot of the experience and expertise. Uh, you've spent years distilling and overseeing some of the best Irish whiskey uh, made uh, anywhere on that island, some of the best Irish whiskey, obviously, in the world, Middleton, Redbreast, Jameson, all that stuff. Talk about your experience and what got you here now to being with Keeper's Heart. Yeah, so effectively, I worked at Irish Distillers for 23 years. The last seven years from 2013 to 2020, I was master distiller there, so really had a great grounding and was very fortunate to work with such a great company and an opportunity arose back in 2019 where the O'Shaughnessy family reached out to me and checked really was I interested in doing something different and to be honest with you you know initially I thought no but as I got to know the people and really got to understand how good, how how great people they were, but also the opportunity of being involved in developing a brand from the ground up and a distillery from the ground up, and then having the opportunity to collaborate mm. with a guy like David Perkins, it just was it was just something too good to turn down. So we decided to to make the move and make the jump. So. We eventually moved over in August 2021 as, our, as a family to, to Minneapolis and have been there ever since and loving it. Amazing. Uh, for the hard-hitting whiskey fans out there and the aficionados, um, they probably hear, wait, David Perkins, he needs no real introduction. I'm going to introduce him anyway to anybody else that might be wondering. Perhaps you've heard of High West. David, you started High West. I mean, it was really one of the... Uh, you guys got in your, first of all, I, I commend you for having the vision to kind of see maybe what was going on and bring your love for whiskey to life. But you guys got in at such a great time. Uh, you had, and still high West to this day has a lot of really great whiskey, but what you did for, if it's fair to call it craft or not, I don't know, however we want to label it, but 
to be outside of Kentucky, to be 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 miles away, wherever it is, how far Salt Lake is from or Park City, right? Uh, for you Park guys, City, yeah, Park City, right. how far it is from uh, Kentucky. It just wasn't happening much when you started it. And for you, talk about your journey maybe from 2010 to this point and everything you've been involved with in the world of whiskey. Wow. Well, well, thank you, Carmen. I, I, uh, you know, we were either really dumb or, or brilliant, <laughs> but we, we were the 50th distillery in the United States when we uh, signed up to get an LLC or whatever. How about that? That was in 2004, 50th. So, you know, before Prohibition, there were 15,000, wow. and they all died off. And when we did it, really nobody was doing it. And we thought, why not a Western whiskey? So that's why we ended up at Park City. We thought, let's do a, a cowboy Western whiskey. And, uh, you know, then the uh, things turned out okay for us. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we eventually sold the, the business. And uh, I, I heard that Brian was taking a job with these guys. And they connected us. And we'd been old friends. And as Brian said, the, the idea of collaborating with somebody that knows a lot. Brian's super smart. Mm. He's got the gift of gab. He's got a great accent. He does. <laughs> How could you not want to work with somebody like that? And, and you know, I wasn't done. We, I still had a few things up my sleeves. And, uh, you know, to collaborate, it's it's a pleasure to, to come to work and work with somebody you like. So. By trade, you're a biochemist. Is that right? I started life as a biochemist. I worked yeah. for uh, biotech companies, okay. drug companies. And it turns out ethanol is just another drug. Right. And, and you make it the same way that biotech companies make their drugs for heart attacks or cancer. Uh, but you get to, to ingest it in your mouth and taste it, and boy, what fun that is. Did you, know? you like? Did you love whiskey? Is that what kind of you figured, well, hey, I sort of know the science behind this. I can make it. Like, how did it, how did that element, like those two pieces kind of come together? You know, I, I always liked it, but I didn't know much about it. Okay. And, and, you know, uh, when you do, when you try things more and do things more, you begin to like them more, and boy, I really found I liked whiskey. Yeah. And so we went to Kentucky on a random trip, and that's where the light bulb went off. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it was the barrel warehouse that really sunk in for oh, me because they smell so good. Amazing. You know, they, this, and that's so the magic happened in the barrel warehouse for uh, me. And I, I, I told my wife. I think every like diehard whiskey fan's journey begins like the first time they set foot in a Rick house. I was telling Brian before it was the summer in 1998. I was with my dad in Ireland. I had just turned 21. I knew nothing about whiskey other than maybe being able to name Jack Daniels and Jameson and, and Jim Beam. I probably couldn't have named anything else didn't know anything about it and the minute you walk into one of those rick houses that's it it's just like wow i mean that angel's share is this it's captivating and so i fell in love with it you were saying brian so if i go back to 98 when the first time i ever set foot in rick house you started with the irish distillers what about six months or a year before that and you weren't a whiskey like you, you weren't setting out to be a master distiller by trade either at the time, Absolutely right? Absolutely not. My background is chemical and process engineering. So when I, when I graduated from college, the expectation was I'd end up in a pharmaceutical plant or an oil mm. refinery. I worked in both. Um, they were fine, but I didn't really enjoy them. And an opportunity came for me to join Irish Distillers as an environmental engineer in, in kind of late 1997. And I did that and basically worked my way from, you know, environmental engineer to project engineer to process engineer. And there was no like there was no fixed trage- trajectory for me. It just happened. I think I was in the right place at the right time. I was very fortunate to have fantastic people around to learn from, particularly Barry Crockett. And it just happened. And I'm forever grateful for that because without that grounding and experience and just development over those years, I wouldn't be here today. And I'm so happy to be here. So it's it's just been a fantastic journey. And I think what's great about it is when you don't expect it, when you just 
are carrying on mm. doing your job and different things coming uh, in front of you. Uh, my mother has a great saying that says, what's for you won't go by you. Mm. And I really am a firm believer of that nowadays. Did you realize you had a good palate early on? I had a, a good sense of taste and smell, even as an early age. I would, it, would wreck, it would wreck some people that I knew his head because I would always be able to say, oh, there's a smell here, I'd recognize that. But I never thought it would stand to me later on in years, but it obviously did. Yeah. And obviously then when you get into something like distilling and you get to hone that a little bit more and, and do more practice on a daily basis, it gets better and better. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just great to how, have it. How about you, David? Did you kind of, I mean, was it, did you, did you notice that it sort of came naturally? Did you have to like train yourself a little bit to um, sort of refine maybe what you were looking for and what you, you, you thought would taste good and what would be marketable and, and sellable? I mean, how did that work for you? It's a little both, you know. I mean, I, I, I didn't always think I was good at it, but I always liked to taste things. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when you're tasting whiskeys and you kind of discover, oh my gosh, this tastes like this, this tastes like that. And just doing it more and more, practice really helps. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's mostly about the enjoyment of it. And that's what drove... That the passion really came out, and when you've got passion, sure. you know anything's possible. And I just really enjoyed digging in and learning and getting better. So you guys were talking about the distillery, uh, and I've not been to Minneapolis to to be there yet. I've seen pictures of it. It looks incredible. I mean, it's this huge uh, entertainment space with food and, and libations and things like that. And then you've got the the plant right there making the whiskey too. And Brian, you had said that you guys were pretty dead set on keeping the Irish tradition alive making American whiskey here, but using that pot still. I mean, most whiskey in America is made in column stills, obviously. For people who don't know, they're these, like, three-story column stills. They, they, you, you never have to shut them down. I mean, you just pump out furious amounts of liquid. Pot still distilling a little bit more time-consuming, laborious, I, I think we'd probably say, right? It's a little bit of a bigger commitment to pot still. Why do you guys do it that way? Well, I think to keep that whole uh, philosophy of uh, Irishizing American whiskey and Americanizing Irish whiskey, I think the, the real quintessential style of Irish whiskey is triple pot distillation. So when you say it's, it's a bit more laborious, I suppose the big difference is, is that it's a batch operation as mm -hmm. opposed to a continuous operation. So you're, you're doing your first distillation in your wash still, then you take what you get from that and put it into your second distill, uh, which is your faint still, and then you follow on with a third distillation. So it is a longer process, um, and it creates a different style of whiskey. And for us, we feel that by actually producing a triple pot distilled rye, which we're, we're currently doing, and we will be doing early next year a triple pot distilled bourbon, but mm. we're also producing an American single pot still at the moment as well. They're exciting opportunities in terms of new flavor profiles. And I think that was a big part of the attraction to come here, rather than just coming in and making a, a bourbon and a rye. Doing a bourbon and a rye with a bit of a twist was something that really excited me. Yeah. Or I, doing a pot still with or a twist. Or a pot still you know? with a twist uh, as right. well, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think also, you know, you talked about the, the, the facility. When you come into our distillery and come and visit it, as you walk in the main door, you look to your right hand side and you see this big window that showcases the three pot stills. And they're quite big. They're 8,000 litres for the wash still and 6,000 litres for the wow. faith and spirit. So they're not a small pot still. And they're, they're made to look at. And they are made oh, to look at, exactly. And they were produced in Forsyth in Scotland, which are real world-renowned mm. uh, coppersmiths. And to have them there and just to see them as, as you walk in, it's almost like the distillery itself is in the hospitality 
quality area and it's just a great place to come and visit. I, I barely got out of chemistry, but I like to geek out and listen to you guys talk about that sort of process. And you are two people that obviously could do it because of your backgrounds. And David, especially you, uh, considering where you came from, I mean, you can for the layman a little bit, but what is it about that pot still distillation versus the, the coffee still or the column still that makes the whiskey different? Because there is a mouthfeel. I mean, there are different things happening when you're going pot still versus column still. Yeah, I think in general that pot distill is going to be heavier. So as you're recycling the heads and tails and you have a buildup of the tails so that the higher alcohols and I think that's what contributes to the pot distillate being a bit heavier than the calm still. I mean, the calm still makes great whiskey. Yeah, uh, it just isn't quite the same heaviness, and you know, so that's not better or worse. Oh, it's just different. it's just different. It's different. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, I think that's that's important to note. It's different, but there's a. We always talk. I feel like. Um, there's like this oily sort of creamy mouthfeel that you get with those when you're ta- when you're tasting those pot still whiskeys. Y- you do, but I suppose a lot of that then too is down to the overall kind of mash bill as well. Mm. Because when you, when you look at uh, we say the quintessential style of Irish pot still, which is a, a mixture of of unmalted barley and malted mm-hmm. barley, the unmalted barley imparts a lot of creaminess on mm. the mouthfeel, and that's something that would have been traditionally accepted as as uh, a defining factor in, in, in pot distillate. I think when you're dealing with different mash bills, different types of grains, they're all going to give you a different experience. So I think the beauty of what we're doing is we're actually bringing those different types of mash bills into the pot stills to create something different, yeah. but still it's 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 a, an American rye and a bourbon and that American single pot still. I think what I like about the American single pot still that we're doing is that because we're maturing it in virgin American oak mm-hmm. uh, barrels, unlike in Ireland where it would be matured in refill barrels, we're also going going deeper down into the tails cut in order to produce a heavier style of pot distillate. And as David uh, keeps reminding me to keep it as a straight whiskey, so below 180 proof, mm. in or, or 160 proof, sorry, in order to, to make sure that, you know, you're getting a lot of that higher higher congener flavours coming through, but it also for it to be able to stand up against the virgin American oak as it sits there in, in, in those barrels. So it's really exciting to see it progress even. That's the real, uh, I think, like sort of the art, maybe you'd say. I mean, it's a science, but it's an art. I mean, that, like, is... It'd be easy to, uh, you know, and the guys are talking about tails cut. There's heads, there's hearts, there's tails. It's uh, the heads is dumped because it's poison mostly, right, guys? The heads cut, that first cut is can't really consume, right? You don't. Well, you can actually you can recycle it back in. Okay. I mean, your your most poisonous, uh, what we call well, poisonous is the most difficult. uh, congeners are actually vented off through the pot still okay. as well, so that that would prevent that build up. But what you actually do is you recover your your heads and your tails and you recycle them continuously. And what that does is it allows you to keep extracting some of the we'll say the wanted congeners mm. out of the uh, out of that mix every that, time you do a distillation. That's the beauty. It's easy to just say, it's take, oh, here's the heart's cover, just going to take that. But then like finding, you know, that ba- what you're looking for, for mouthfeel, for flavor, everything else. We'll go into the tails, cut a little bit. We'll kind of put all that together. Well, well um, Carmen, one thing on the, uh, an American column still, they're not taking heads and tails. No. So it's all in. It's so all. so you say it's poison. It's poison is how much you get. So it's in all the whiskey yeah. you're drinking. So ethyl acetate, acetone, things like that. So in very very small quantities, wow. they had character and flavor. In big quantities, you know, they can be not very good. Right. But they're all those chemicals are in what you're drinking yeah. in a Kentucky whiskey. See these guys. So if you think about it, I'm telling you, when it comes <laughs> to the the chemistry here. 
have been a blow us away. Uh, how about the blending aspect, guys? Like, what, you know, do you sit down, do you figure out percentages? Um, do you feel like you've nailed it at this point? Do you want to keep tweaking it? How do you guys collaborate on trying to, well, how much Irish pot still do we want in this? How much grain whiskey do we want? How much uh, rye do we want in this? What is that collaboration been? Well, I mean, it definitely... That's the fun part, It right? is actually, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a lot of trial that's where the error. tongue comes yeah. in, you know? That's, that's right. I mean, to, and as, as a simple answer to, to that question, or as complicated as it can be, is that... The Keeper's Heart Irish Plus American, we started out with between 130 and 140 different prototypes. Wow. And over time, we whittled it down. Now, that was also using different types of, of uh, rye whiskey, different types different of brands. Brand, different brands. Okay. Yeah. So from that point of view, you wanted to, to basically get that blend where we felt was delivering on our three objectives. And our three objectives were quite simple. One was to create a great tasting whiskey, bit of a no-brainer, right. but that's a big one. Number two was to ensure that any of the components that you have in the whiskey are actually playing a part in delivering on the overall balance and complexity. And then number three is versatility. Because yeah. if you look at the way people enjoy whiskey nowadays, compared to 10, 15 years ago, that landscape has changed dramatically. Gone is a day where they just want to drink it neater on the rocks. They want to experiment in cocktails, cocktails and all of that. And that's a big one. If you want to be a brand that's succeeding nowadays, it has to have that yeah. versatility. That's a great point. You want a mixologist to be able to say, ooh, I could do this with it. I could do exactly. that with it. I could make a Boulevardier with it. I could do a highball with it. I could do all kinds of that. Because that, you're right, people... There's a lot of creativity that's happening out there right now in the world of eat and drink. I mean, yeah. when you think about it. And so that I understand why that would be so important. What uh, final, final pour should we have? We tasted some of these before. We're going to put these up <laughs> on a video. What, let, let's have one more. What do you think you guys want to go back to? What do you like the most over there? We have four I'd things you, that we I'd tried. give you the choice. I mean, the 110, the Irish-American <laughs> 110. I, I don't know that I could... Uh, I don't know that I could go against that one. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I would agree. I mean, it's definitely... I think on your left. It's definitely one more. the one... Oh, there it is. Yeah, I think this is. Uh, so this is this is one that you guys and you were telling the story when we did the video. This basically was born out of. Oh, there you go. I love it. This was born out of people tasting single barrel stuff that you guys were doing up at the distillery, and people said, "Oh, wait, do you just sell this?" I mean, this is uh, the Irish American at, at 110 proof. Yeah. So we have been doing a single barrel uh, option for for on and off premise to come in and basically taste the Keeper's Heart Irish Plus American blend in different barrels for finishing. So, you know, it's anything from virgin American oak to stout barrels mm. to, to wine barrels. So there's a big variety. Yeah. But in order to do a comparison of the impacts that the single barrels are having on them, we compare it against the 110 version of the Keeper's Heart blend but no finish on it. And as we were asking people to come through and pick their choices, some of them were always coming back to the 110 going, why can we just not get this? <laughs> so it really was a case of listening to, to consumers because we did, anytime we launched a single barrel within our distillery, we also compared it to Keeper's Heart 110 and we were getting some fantastic feedback. So we said, let's, let's give it a go. So we've gone with a limited release of, of 110 proof and so far the reaction has been great. I think it's a great representation of what you guys were going for. It's the idea of blending the, you know, Irish whiskey making and Irish whiskey with American whiskey, rye specifically here. So there's like all these great orchard fruit notes and spice and a little oak. The 110 proof is perfect, if you ask me. And it doesn't drink hot at all. It's like just this nice warming sort of finish. It's really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you describe it the best way with your, with your description in coffee terms. 
Oh, yeah. David had a good... Uh, say that again. That was good. The uh... Well, you know, it's like uh, espresso or cafe americano. You know, cafe americano, they, you do a shot of espresso and add hot water. Add hot water, yeah. So this is just like the espresso portion because it, it's intense. It's just... The flavor is nice. After dinner, I mean, to sit and sip, you know, it's like yeah. it is. The flavor is intense. And the fruitiness nice comes notes. out, doesn't yeah. it? The orchard, the, really the pit, does, yeah. pit fruits. Those pit fruits, fruits, those orchard fruits are there. Mm -hmm. I love the spice, the lingering spice. And like I said, it's just the right amount of like warm, warm heat. Not like, um, it, it's not, it's not in your face heat. It's not ethanol burn. It's just, at 110 proof. It's amazing. You know, at, at actually how drinkable it really yeah. is and how easy. I think people might be surprised if some people see 55 ABV, they're like, Ooh, I, you know, it's going to burn. It's going to, this does not, it does not at yeah. all. And that's the beauty of it as well is that, you know, you have all that concentration of flavor yeah. and you have that enhancement of flavor, yeah. but it's still a very easy drinkable sipping whiskey. The fruit and like the little caramel all of a sudden and the spice is just awesome. Yeah. It's really fantastic. Uh, so when people are in Minneapolis, we encourage them to stop by the distillery. Uh, like I said, I've only seen it. I've heard you guys and others talk about it. It just looks beautiful. I mean, Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate to have a place yeah. like we have, to be honest with yeah. you. And it just really is just a great space. There's a great atmosphere there. There's a great vibe. And there's also a great educational tour there as well. So, you know, you get to learn as much or as little as you want to know about whiskey. But you also get the opportunity to taste the components that go into making each of these whiskeys as well, which is, is something that you don't usually get the opportunity to do and I like that idea as well because it's more of a people get to understand what flavors the individual components bring and then hopefully they'll see that the the, the sum of the parts are better than the individual components themselves even though they are good on their own keep up the great work guys Brian Nation David Perkins uh, the great folks at Keeper's Heart we appreciate you in the, in the partnership the whiskey is really wonderful so keep it up and we got to get to Minneapolis to see you guys soon absolutely okay? thanks Carmen thank you Carmen thanks Cheers. guys